0: You're listening to the Matthew Sermon Series at Sojourn Carlisle. In this series, we are following Jesus and learning what it means to take on his yoke. We are pressing into his promise of true life. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, my name is James Field, serve here as a lead pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. It's indeed an honor and privilege to be able to stand with you today to read God's word and to be with God's people Um, We will continue on in our um, series in the Gospel of Matthew today. Um, So we're thankful for God and the opportunity to do that. Um, But before we do that, I do have um, some not so fortunate news to share um, that one of our members, um, Janet Perdue, unfortunately passed away uh, this week. Um, I had the privilege of being with her um, hours before she passed um, at the hospital um, but one of the things that we talked about and one of the things that we know is that she knew Jesus, and we're thankful for that, and we're thankful for her life, and we're celebrating that life today, even in her absence. But if you knew Janet, um, she was a dear friend of all, a lifelong member of this church, um, and she will be sorely missed by all of us, but especially me. Um, so please keep her family in your prayers as we move forward. We will give funeral arrangements um, out as soon as we learn about that in the coming days. Um, but please keep uh, Janet Purdue and her family in your prayers if you don't mind. Um, if you can at this time and if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to read Matthew 25, looking at verses 1 through 46 this morning. It is a little longer passage Um, So again, if you need to sit down, I understand, but if you are able and if you can, we want to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. It says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them, but the wise took oil in their flasks with their lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, here's the groom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, no, there won't be enough for both of us. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. When they had gone to buy some oil, excuse me, to buy some, the groom arrived and those who were ready with him uh, went in with him to the wedding banquet when the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. He replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, be alert, because you don't know either the day or the hour. For it was just like a man who was going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one, one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. "'Immediately, and the man who had received the five talents went and put them to work and earned five more, in the same way the man with two earn two more. The man who had received one went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, "'Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents.' "'His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You are faithful over a few things. "'I will put you in charge of many things. "'Share your master's joy.'" "'The man with two talents also approached. "'He said, Master, you gave me two talents. "'See, I've earned two more talents.' "'His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You are faithful over a few things. "'I will put you in charge of many things. "'Share your master's joy.'" "'The one who has received one talent also approached "'and said, Master.'" I know you, you're a harsh man, reaping where you hadn't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. If you knew I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would receive my money back with interest when I return. So take the talent from from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given." And he will, he will, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, I'm going to stop right there. This is the word of the Lord. Thank be to God. You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, I've only done this Two times in my life, maybe three. The most memorable time was here in Louisville, Kentucky, about 10 years ago. I was a spry, young seminarian student at Southern Seminary. I worked in an admissions office, and I was assigned to travel to Miami, Florida for a conference. My excitement was surreal, but my experience was unfavorable see, it was the first time for me traveling to Miami, Florida, and also it was the first time of me leaving my pregnant wife behind to go on a work trip. It was truly a bittersweet moment for me. I was super excited to go to Miami, never been, excited to see what's down there, excited to see the beaches and all the glitz and glam, maybe drive past Shaquille O'Neal's house on Star Island. But I was not as excited to leave my pregnant wife behind at the time. You see, my flight was leaving from Louisville Airport at approximately 3.25 p.m. And at the time, here's what your pastor was thinking. Louisville Airport is never busy. It's a smallish airport. It's a small city, mid-sized city. There's never any crowds. It's never packed. So I thought. I wrongly assumed. And in my pride... I thought that I could arrive around 2.45, 2.50 to get on my 3.25 flight and have enough time to print and obtain my tickets, check my bags to the flight attendant, successfully go through TSA in a timely manner, and then promptly aboard my plane to leave on time to Miami, Florida, right? That sounds right, right? Now, in my arrogance, I convinced myself to believe that I had more time than I realized. And in apathy, I not only missed my flight at 325, but due to every other flight being filled to capacity, I was not able to board another flight to Miami until 11.45 p.m. Thus, I spent nine hours of wasted time in the small, easy-to-maneuver Louisville airport that I Hoped and thought it was. It, wow. <laughs> That's a very good advice. I wish you had been with me 10 years ago, Neil. <laughs> I arrived in Miami around 2.30 a.m. Tired, hungry, and lonely. Worst of all, when I arrived in Miami, Florida, I was unprepared. In my haste, I left Louisville without my credit card to book my car rental, even to pay for my hotel. As the older generation says, I was up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> Whose fault was it that I was that, for my late arrival to Miami? You see, at the time, I blamed everyone except for myself. I blamed the traffic on I-264 West. I blamed the overcrowded and longer than expected lines at the airport. I blamed the lack of professionalism of the airport or airport workers. I blamed the overly curious TSA workers for doing their job too well and not letting me get by. But the truth is no one was at fault except for me. For I wrongly assumed to myself and I convinced myself to believe the lie that I had more time than I actually did. Notice with me that my poor planning was based upon my false assumptions. Will you pray with me? Father God, we do thank you for this time to hear from your word. We ask that you would, as always, take my little, make much of it, glorify yourself as only you can. Help us, Lord, to be ready in every sense of the word. Prepare our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to consider this question as we read through our text. How do we remain faithful knowing that Jesus' return is imminent? How do we remain faithful knowing that Jesus' return is imminent? To answer this question, Jesus gives us three parables, a brief one at the end of chapter 24 and two others in chapter 25 that we'll elaborate on. Do you remember last week in verse 24, verses 45 through 51, when Jesus said these words, he says, who then is a faithful servant and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them proper food at the, at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the fat master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of, all of his possessions But if that wicked servant says in his heart, my master is delayed and starts to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, this morning we will have three highlighted um, categories, if you will, or that we're going to talk through. Number one is this, we're, how do we remain faithful knowing that Jesus' return is em- imminent? Number one, we're to prior- prioritize local faithfulness. And the caption for that is simply this, be faithful, looking at verses 45 through 51. The second one is that we're, we're to prioritize long-haul discipleship. That tagline is simply remain faithful. Looking at chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, And then finally, but definitely not least, we're to prioritize lifelong stewardship. That tagline simply says, stay faithful. That is shown in chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Look with me first in verses 45 through 51 of chapter 14. Here, Jesus tells a story about a faithful and thoughtful servant. Jesus starts with a question in verse 25, 45. Listen to this question. He says, who then is a faithful faithful servant and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Notice with me that Jesus kindly invites us. He kindly invites us to embody faithfulness like the servant in Matthew 24, verses 45 through 46. I love how the New Living Translation puts it. It puts it a little different way. It says, A faithful servant, a sensible servant, is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. Notice with me the simplicity of how God defines what it means to be faithful. Faithful. God defines faithfulness as such. He says faithfulness to God or faithfulness to him is to be faithful towards the responsibilities that he's given to us. Let me, resp- let me repeat that. Faithfulness to God is to be faithful towards the responsibilities that he has given us. This is a good reminder for us as a church that we prepare for Christ's return By prioritizing localized faithfulness. What we like to say in our church is a little different. Ordinary obedience. Ordinary obedience in the ordinary things of life. So what do you mean, Pastor Fields, when you talk about ordinary obedience? What does that look like? Well, consider this for me. How often do we, I include myself in this. How often do we get so swept up in national or global affairs while our own home is still a mess? How many of us know the ills of our nation's drama better than the ills of our own local neighborhood or the ills of our own local neighbors? How many of us know more about a political candidate or a political issue or even our favorite professional athlete? then we know our own child's heart. So what does keeping watch mean? It is simply, according to verse 46 in the text, it simply means this. It means doing your job when Jesus comes. More specifically for this servant, his faithfulness manifests itself in the simplicity of giving the master and his guests their food at the proper time. So faithfulness is simply, doing for this, for this servant, faithfulness for him is simply doing the work of a servant. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, so I'm going to say it out loud for all of us. Pastor James, this seems too simplistic. <laughs> it seems too childish. It, it seems oversimplified. Well, here's the problem with that statement. This is too simple. (laughs) This is too ordinary. And this is too easy. But here's the problem. We want something more complex. We want something more convoluted and we want something more complicated. We want something more spiritual than just simply doing our job. That's not what God requires of us. So church family, maybe the problem is not with God. Maybe the problem is is with us this is a good reminder that don't miss the simplicity of god god is more simple than we think and less complicated and, ne- and less complicated than we realize jesus is saying in this text doing your job is the most spiritual thing that you can do or accomplish in this life nothing more and nothing less So what does it mean to do your job? What does this entail? In our in our household we we teach doing your job with a simple phrase. We say we try to teach our kids this as imperfect as we are (laughs) and as we learn as parents but we have a simple mantra that we tell our children all the time that all of life is worship. All of life Every aspect of life is worship unto God. There's nothing you do, there's nothing you say, there's nothing you experience that you can't use to worship God, your creator. All of life is worship. I love what Colossians 3.23 says about this. It says, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people or men. You see, in, our, in his goodness and in his sovereignty, God calls us to view all of life as worship. There, thereby, we're incited, we're incited to worship God through our ordinary, everyday, and often mundane daily obedience to him. See, the first, most practical way to keep watch and be ready for Jesus' second coming is very simple. The first and most practical way to keep watch and be ready for Jesus' second coming is to be faithful in the responsibilities that God has given to you. In other words, do your job. Everyday activities such as changing dirty diapers can bring much glory and honor to God. Everyday activities such as washing dishes before your roommate or your spouse comes home can bring much glory to God. Everyday activities such as taking out the trash without being told, reading your Bible, a reading plan, reading and studying for your exam, managing your team with character and integrity, integrity planning and preparing for meals for your family, shoveling your driveway or someone else's driveway that's filled with ice and snow, praying for the sick and shut-in within our church, calling to check on someone that God has placed upon your heart, making lunch for yourself and your family, or even managing people's hectic schedules. All of this can be done to the glory and honor of God. Hear the words and the wisdom of scriptures. Listen to Proverbs. You you know this, but listen to it afresh this morning. Proverbs chapter 3, verses, uh, excuse me, 3, 5, and 6 it says trust in the lord with all your hearts lean not into your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path listen to the words of paul in colossians 3:17 and whatever you do in word or in deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him listen to paul's words in ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 Always giving thanks to the God, the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice with me that Jesus calls us to worship him in the everyday, mundane, ordinary, and simplistic ways and aspects of our life. There's no other way for you to worship him except through this means. Why is this important? Think about it for me with a minute. Think about this for a minute. When did David kill Goliath? Did David just show up to Goliath and just throw a stone and and kill him? No, David killed Goliath when he was being obedient by killing lions and bears as a humble shepherd when no one saw him and no one knew him. God was preparing David to kill Goliath for years before he actually faced that giant. When was Noah saved from the flood? When the waters came? No. Noah was saved when he obeyed the voice of God and started to build an ark on dry land. When did Abraham receive, his first, uh, receive the promise of his firstborn son Isaac? When did he receive the promise of his firstborn son Isaac? When when Isaac was born? No, he he, he received this promise when he obeyed God's instruction and he went outside of his tent and he looked into the sky. And at that very moment, he decided to believe God's promise over his life. (laughs) Finally, when did I miss my flight to Miami, Florida? (laughs) I missed it. Not when I arrived at 250. I missed it when I convinced myself that I had more time than I actually had to get to the Louisville airport and that everything would go in my way and go in my favor. Church family, consider this with me. How might your life change today? I'm not talking about tomorrow. How might your life change today if you saw cooking dinner and you saw serving your family and serving your wife and serving those whom you love as an act of worship preparing you for the return of Christ? How might your perspective change if you saw your daily Bible reading as an act of worship to God that is preparing you for the return of your king? How might your appreciation of one another change? How might your understanding of the Imago Dei expand if we were committed to never holding our phones while being in the presence of another human being. How might your attitude at work reflect this? If we were to grow in our ownership and responsibility of what the Lord has placed right in front of us, not what we wish he placed in front of us, but what he's placed in front of us, what if we saw that very thing, that very person, as the means and opportunity to glorify God, our King. Do you remember what Jesus said to the evil servant? Look with me in verse 48. It says, but the wicked servant said in his heart, my master is delayed. Meaning the master, he, what his thinking is, the master won't be back for a while. And he uses that as an excuse to neglect his Responsibilities. Notice with me, a lack of faithfulness to others and not taking responsibility for what is before us reveals a lack of faithfulness to God. Let me repeat that. A lack of faithfulness to others and not taking responsibility for what is before us reveals a lack of faithfulness to God himself and will leave us unprepared for his return. Why is this important, you might ask? It's important because Jesus has called us to embrace the urgency of now by preparing ourselves for his return by prioritizing localized faithfulness. (laughs) Another way of saying that is ordinary obedience. Ordinary obedience is simply this. It's the willful and joyful submission to God in serving the people that he has purposely placed around us right now and today. It is a willful and joyful submission to God to serve the people that he has purposely, sovereignly placed around us right now, here, today. Remember in Church Carlisle. Be faithful where you are. Be faithful where you are. What does God require of you? Faithfulness where he's planted you. Faithfulness where he's placed you. Faithfulness to him in the place where he will sovereignly provide for you as you seek to glorify him in this way. So what does what keeping watch entail? Look with me in verses 25 through 13. Verses 25 through 13 help us to see what faithfulness entails. And this comes with our second tagline that we are to prioritize long haul discipleship. Another way of saying that is to remain faithful, remain faithful. Hear the words in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. It says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 Virgins. If if you don't like that word, which I don't like in this text, you can say young women. So I'm going to try to say young women to the best I can so you won't get any questions from little ears while we're reading this. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like young women who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them. But the wise ones took oil in their flasks with their lamps. And when the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, here's the groom, come out to meet him. Then all the young women got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise one, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, no, there won't be enough for both uh, for you, for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. When they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the young women also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. He replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, be on alert because you don't know either the day or the hour. You see, in the previous parable, the evil person believed the master was a long way off. And in believing this, believing that the master wasn't coming for a while, led him To abandon faithfulness. And thus Jesus critiques that lack of urgency. In this parable, though, Jesus critiques an exaggerated sense of urgency. He tells of 10 young women preparing for a wedding. They were to keep oil lamps lit in preparation for the groom's arrival. But look with me in verse 3. It says, the five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps Notice the two groups of these people. Notice the two groups of people. Those who are prepared. Those who are ready. Those who are unprepared. And those who are not ready. What is Jesus saying in these verses? What is he trying to communicate to us? He's trying to communicate to us two things. One is this. Wisdom is planning for the possible delay of the bridegroom. Wisdom is planning for the possible delay of the bridegroom. Notice that five wise were prepared. They were ready for this possible delay. And, and they were prepared not just in words, they were prepared in deeds. They literally had extra oil with them. Notice the foolishness. Notice also that if, if wisdom is planning for the possible delay of the bridegroom, notice that foolishness isn't planning for the possible delay. Of the bridegroom. Notice the five foolish young women. They were not prepared. They thought the groom would come very soon or his, retu- his return would be very immediate. And therefore, they had no extra oil. I love what the New Bible commentary says about this. It says, All 10 young women fell asleep during the wait. So the point is not that we should be on consistent alert but that we must have the necessary provision when the time comes. So in this verse, in these verses here, what is keeping watch entail? To keep watch means this. It means to make the necessary preparations today. Love what Benjamin Franklin says about this. You've heard probably heard this quoted before. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Proverbs 27.1 puts it a different way. It says, don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring. We talked about this a little bit last week when we looked at Hebrews 11. And we talked about what faith is. We said that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. We talked about walking in faith is like a pregnant woman who actively prepares for the arrival of her baby without knowing the exact due date. And every woman in this room who has had a baby or has been pregnant can probably attest to that. That when your baby is coming, you don't wait till you deliver the baby and go home and say, oh, no, we have to get everything ready. Maybe some financial means may cause you to do that. I don't know. But typically, preparation is usually made beforehand. Baby showers, cribs being installed, baby monitors, baby warmers, diapers. All these things are done ahead of time in order for the waiting for the arrival of the soon to be baby. You see, for this example of the pregnant woman, the substance of her hope is the baby. Right? (laughs) Right. The substance of the hope is her baby. She has a baby in her womb, but she doesn't have it specifically within her hands. So the substance of her hope is the baby, but the substance of her hope is also evidence in her preparation. <laughs> How she prepares. She knows that she's with child. She doesn't have that child yet, but she knows it's coming at some point. So what does she do? She prepares, she gets ready. She, as people call it, she starts to nest. It's a good reminder for us as a church, as we've said here before, that walking in wisdom is not a destination. Walking in wisdom is a lifestyle. Why were they foolish? Was it because they fell asleep? No, everyone fell asleep according to verse five. These women were foolish because they were not prepared. And even more so, they assumed that they would have time to do so, to do in the future what they, what what God had called them and what they should have been doing right now here today. They assumed to have, presumed to have more time than they had, much like me (laughs) when I missed my flight to Miami. Here's the warning for us this morning, church. Here's the warning. Don't miss the warning. Here's the warning. Do now what you cannot do later. (laughs) Do now what you cannot do later. I love from the words, again, of Benjamin Franklin, I believe, he says, a failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Notice with me that these ladies knew a wedding was coming. They knew that the groom was coming, but yet they were not prepared. They did not prepare for a long night by having extra oil, and therefore they faced the consequences as a result. So what about you? What are you putting off that you need to be doing right now? What can you not do late that you can do now? I'll tell you one thing you can do. Repent. (laughs) Repent of your sins. I can tell you another thing that you can do if you haven't done it already. Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And if you already received him, ask him to create within you a clean heart and renew the right spirit within you. Every day, every moment, every second, every minute, every hour, we need a fresh cleansing and a fresh touch from God our Savior. I'm sure most of you already know by now and have learned about the tragic news concerning Ravi Zacharias, the world-renowned Christian apologist. To say that my heart sank would be an understatement. I met and have invited Ravi to many different events at Princeton University. I've been with his team. I've planned events for him to come and to speak. I've heard him speak multiple times. So to hear of these recent allegations and hear of these recent tragic news has been devastating to me to say the least. And while I'm not here to judge his life or his ministry the accusations and the victims that are coming against him are both appalling and very concerning, excuse me, very disturbing, to say the least. And due to this aftermath, many of us, including myself, have been left with the question, how can such a powerful and influential man of God be involved in such dark and demonic activities? In other words, as a minister of the gospel, what does it mean to be found faithful? Yesterday, I was reminded of what faithfulness entails from a very unlikely person, not because I didn't think it could come from him, but just because I wasn't expecting him to, do, to tweet out anything. I was reminded of this simple truth from Pastor Brian Laritz when he posted this tweet concerning his father, Crawford Laritz, on his birthday and the t- and the tweet reads as follows